Again, good morning and welcome everyone, especially those that are joining us online. It's good that we can gather here and worship the Lord. You know, about this time every year, I'm told the women of liberal Kansas compete with the women of Olney, England, in a race called the Great Pancake Race. Have you heard about this? I believe it's about this time of the year, but I'm told it started all back years ago when a housewife in Olney, England, started baking her pancakes rather late one day, and they were not quite finished when suddenly she heard the church bell ring. And not wanting to burn her pancakes and to be late for service, the shriving that was about to happen, she grabbed her griddle and her pancakes and took off running. And so the event was born, the Great Pancake Race. And you know, at the end of the street down which the English women run, there is a little brick red, uh, little red brick house where the author of one of the great hymns in our Christian faith lived back in the 18th century. His name was William Cowper, and he was regarded by many as being the leading poet, English poet of the day. In fact, he was most well known for his translation of Homer back in 1791, but several years ago there was a survey that was conducted in which they asked most of the English-speaking world, what's your favorite hymn? And they conducted this survey everywhere from Great Britain to Australia and Canada and here in America. And, and they asked people, what's your favorite hymn? And believe it or not, William Cowper's, one of his hymns made it, and it's the one that we just sang. There's a fountain filled with blood. What a joyous melody that it shares with us. What a great meaning. But I'm going to tell you today that Cowper wasn't always able to write this kind of music. He suffered a lot from great discouragement in life. Cowper was a guy that battled depression and despondency and just was distraught with so many things in life. And the greatest bout of this happened when he was just 32 years of age. And his despair was so great that it brought him to consider taking his own life. And he took one night what he thought was a lethal dose of laudium, was as a tincture of opium, but he survived. And when that didn't uh, end his life, he decided to get a horse-drawn carriage. And he ordered a rider and a carriage to take him to the Thames River there in England, where he was going to jump off the bridge. But it happened to be one of London's foggiest nights, and the driver drove and drove and drove, and they never reached the bridge. And finally, in great disgust, after about an hour, he told the driver, oh, just stop, and I'll walk there. And he gets out of the carriage, and lo and behold, they've just made this one big circle, and he's right back where he started from, right in the front of his house. And so he forgets it that night, and he goes in, and the next day he gets up and he decides he's going to take his life again. And this time he tries to fall on a knife, but the blade broke and his life was spared. And then he thought, well, I'll just hang myself. And he hung himself, but he was cut down unconscious and still alive. And then one morning on impulse, he took up the Bible and he began to read in the letter of Romans, and I forget exactly what verse it is, but right then and there, he professed faith in Christ and said, I believe in you, God, and God changed his life. The Spirit of God came into his life and revolutionized his heart. 
In a moment, he received Jesus and began rejoicing in the forgiving power of God. And you know, at a certain time in Cowper's life, he fought a terrible time of despondency and great discouragement. But in a moment when his faith was strong, he produced one of the greatest songs of all time. Friends, I'm going to tell you today that discouragement can visit anyone's life, both Christian and non-Christian. And discouragement, despondency, it attacks the rich and the poor, the weak and the mighty, the king and the pauper, the young and the old. And that's why we're in a series right now that we're calling Biggest Loser, because we want to help you get your life back. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's got you pinned down, whatever's preventing you from moving forward, we want you to come and shed that. Deal with it with God in God's strength to help you to move forward in whatever it is. Now, there's a lot of things that we could talk about in this series. We could talk about losing the guilt. We could talk about losing the anger. We could talk about losing covenant now out of our life. We could talk about a lot of things, but the one that I want to bring up for our attention today is dealing with discouragement because there's a lot of times we get discouraged in life. And so if it's keeping you today from moving forward, if you feel like you're pinned down, let us give our attention to God's word today and seek the Lord. You know, the Bible, the biblical record really oozes with the lives of so many people who got discouraged. People like Ezra and Nehemiah, they faced incredible discouragement and went through great despair. And, you know, the mind dwells on such things in life, and oftentimes it feels like it just has our backs up against the wall. And in this text that was just read today there in Kings, we discover such an episode in the life of one of God's great prophets, this guy called Elijah. And Elijah, is he not a fascinating character? And the Bible really tells us he had incredible miracles that occurred in his lifetime and during his ministry. And at one point, as the story goes there in Kings, he is challenged by some 450 prophets at a place called Baal on Mount Carmel. And he prays down fire from heaven. And lo and behold, God sent fire and consumed the sacrifice. And then Elijah went to the brook of Kishon, and there he slayed some false prophets. And what an act of faith. What a tremendous display of courage. He really demonstrated a lot of bravery. But then as the text says, it wasn't very long after that that this incident took place that Elijah received a fax, if you will, or an email of sorts from the queen of Israel at the time, Jezebel, and she was so outraged by his actions, she said, you know, within 24 hours, your life is going to be over. And suddenly this guy that was so on top of the world, just moments before, he had the world by the tail. I mean, he was rejoicing and demonstrating his incredible bravery, and now he's running for his life. Suddenly, when he got that message, he just crumbled and became weak and wobbly in his knees. And now he was hiding and absolutely discouraged with all of life, running into the wilderness. I'm sure you've heard of the inferiority complex. Well, how about the Elijah complex? And that's when you lose all sense of God's presence in your life. You lose, lose all sense of God's provisions for you. And that's when it seems like life becomes meaningless. And when we're in situations like that, certainly we feel abandoned, we feel lonely, we feel forsaken, and Elijah was such at a low point in his life, he just wanted to end it all. 
Discouragement, I tell you, is a ailment that all of us face in life. Do you know back in October, Japan, they uh, formed this committee and they now have a minister of loneliness because so many people are discouraged with all the pandemic. Hayden Planetarium there years ago up in New York City, they had this uh, invitation to people that was put out on all the New York newspapers inviting people that if you wanted to go on a journey to a new planet, we'd like for you to uh, apply and give us your indication you'd like to join us. And in just a matter of days, just a few hours actually, they had like 18 or 20,000 people signing and filling out an application. They wanted to go on another, wanted to go on another planet. Well, it so happened they had a group of psychologists and uh, sociologists and others that were looking and examining all of these applications, and they finally concluded there that the vast majority of those who wanted to apply to go to another planet did so because they were so discouraged with life on this planet. I'm telling you, friends, discouragement is something that affects us all. You know, in seminary, I had a professor that every single class opened the class with a devotion on discouragement. And this went on like 15 weeks, every class, and I didn't know there were so many places in the scripture you could point to about discouragement, but on and on it went. And somewhere in about week three or four, somewhere in that, one of the students said, why are you continuing to talk to us about discouragement? He said, you're gonna need it. Because we all face discouragement in life, in ministry, in our families, in our jobs, in so many areas of life. And you can get so down and out, you can get so disturbed, so distraught. So I wanna lift up here some of God's word today to encourage your heart. And maybe you can just become the biggest loser of what is really breaking your heart and pulling you down that time of discouragement. You know, one of the things I like to do when I get discouraged is to remind myself, hey, I'm a child of God. Do you know that? If you've given your life to God, you have got the victory today. So I want to say to you, rest your hope in God. It's so easy to get down, especially here in this seasonal affective disorder time of the winter. When the days are short, there's limited light. It's so easy to kind of get, and especially with all that's been going on when there's so, such social isolation and loneliness in our world, but it's been so cold that you probably can't even remember the last time you mowed your lawn or put on a pair of shorts. And you're so sick of all the cold and the shoveling, you'd almost rather go to the dentist with an impacted wisdom tooth. And the trees have been so bare, you can't even remember what it was like with the leaves on there. But even in the depths of winter, folks, I'm going to tell you today, there is hope. Because sooner or later, the trees are going to come back, the flowers are going to bloom, you'll hear the crack of the baseball bat, the birds will be singing, and you can put it on your calendar and be reassured, it's just a matter of time. You know, Psalmist David was one, another one that faced a lot of despondency in life. And in fact, one of the great texts there, Psalm 42, speaks to us as he says, Why are you so ca uh, cast down, my soul? Why is my soul so disturbed within me? He was posing the question to himself, and it goes on to say, Hope in God, Psalmist David said. If you have lost your hope, you will find it if you look to God. 
James tells us in James 4, that great practical book of the New Testament, James 4 and 8, he says, draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. And he's not talking about a physical distance there. We're talking about a spiritual intimacy. I mean, a man and a wife can be standing side by side with each other, but still their hearts are far apart and we have to draw nigh to God. I'm here to tell you today, if you're going through a discouraging time, just to remind yourself that you have hope in Jesus Christ, the one who's conquered this world, and whatever discouragement is happening in your life, whatever problem is got a hold of you, rest your hope in God. A second thing is to kind of take from what Apostle Paul tells us in the Philippians 4 text, and that is to rejoice in the Lord. Even in the darkest times of night, that's when you need the most rejoicing going on, is it not? When you're really in the fire, when you're really experiencing the problems of life, if you're going through a dark time, you know, there's something about putting Spotify on with your favorite hymn music, your favorite praise and worship music, something about that that stirs the heart, that encourages the soul, that nurtures the inside, and it causes you to think things through. Rejoice in the Lord, continuing singing to the Lord until your discouragement leaves. Just like the birds, we need to learn to sing in the dark times when we're experiencing those rough patches in life. And we may not see what lies ahead, but our vision is restricted by the darkness of despair. But it's in those moments where we sing that lifts life's load and encourages the heart. Let me just remind you, trust is a must. Knowing you really are in the hand of God. As Paul says here in verse 4 of Philippians 4, he commands us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And that especially includes those moments where we're so down and discouraged in life. But also, I want to tell you, not only to rest your hope in God, to rejoice in God, even in the middle of your dark circumstances, but let me also say to you, you, never, you need to revolutionize the way you look out at life. Paul also speaks about that in verse 8. He tells us to let our mind dwell on good things. Let our mind dwell on good things. We may not choose our circumstances, as you know, but you can certainly choose the way you react to it. And we can decide whether we are going to focus our attention on the positive or whether you're going to focus your attention on the negative. It's kind of like the story there that we read in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 13. You remember the story there, how Moses sent the 12 spies out? And they went out to see the land that God had promised and they got out there, and 10 of the spies, they got so disturbed because they saw the giants out in the land. And the other two saw them as well. But Joshua and Caleb were excited about the land that God had promised, even though they saw the giants out there. And even though they had all seen the same thing, 10 of them chose to focus on the negative, while the other two chose to focus on the positive. And changing the way you see the circumstances is absolutely critical to overcoming those moments of discouragement in your life. You can choose to look at the plus side of life or you can choose to look at the negative side of life. And the difference will be in the living out of your discouragement or in the living out of rejoicing. You know, so many Christian people have battled times of discouragement. Even Charles Spurgeon, the prince of peace, preachers. He was a guy that he said his depression, his discouragement followed him around like a black dog all the time. 
How about Martin Luther? Martin Luther was a guy who was a great reformer. The great reformer, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther back in the day, he suffered severe bouts of discouragement. And one day, after this long period, his wife walks in with a black dress. And he looks over and he said, honey, who died? And she said, well, God died. And he said, well, God didn't die. And she said, well, then live like it and act like it. Let me remind you that success is often closest when discouragement is the greatest in our life. And most things that discourage me, I find, are dwarfed in the next 72 hours. Just think of it last weekend, everybody became snake fascinated with Bengal mania. And for two days, we were all in jubilation with the Bengals. And then that all went away with the snowstorm. And you couldn't find anything about the Bengals. It was all focused on the ice. Just because you miss one train in life doesn't mean you have to cancel the whole vacation. Because I can tell you, there's one thing after another coming into our life, and that's why you have to rest your hope in God. That's why you have to rejoice constantly in the Lord, and really that's why you have to revolutionize your thinking, because, you know, our discouragement, great possibilities can result. There was a guy, and I know some of you salespeople will really appreciate this but there was a guy there many years ago that sold insurance and he had this one person that he was really trying to sell he was known as a difficult customer and he was really trying to sell him insurance and one day he said I'm going to try one more time he really got up his old sales pitch and went over and he talked to the guy for at length and finally he sold the guy some fifty thousand dollars worth of insurance was back in the day would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so he whips out the contract, he pulls out his ballpoint pen of sorts and says, here you go. And the, go, uh, the guy goes to sign the contract in the pen won't write. And he tries several times to write his signature on the contract, but he can't get the pen to write. And he's sitting there and he thinks, you know what, I'm gonna hand this back to you and I'm gonna think on this a little while. And he lost the sale. The guy was devastated because he really wanted to be a good salesman. And he didn't know what to do, and he was so discouraged. He was absolutely distraught and discouraged. He went home, and he was determined right then and there that he was never gonna lose another sale with the ballpoint pen not being able to write. So he sets down, and he figures out how to invent a ballpoint pen, and he came up with the Waterman fountain pen because it was none other than Lewis Waterman that that happened to, and it became the premier writing instrument in America for 50 or 60 years. It was born out of a time of discouragement. And I say that to you today because out of discouragement, great possibilities can result. And oftentimes when the discouragement is the greatest, it's just the moment where you're about to overcome. So don't give up. Today, I challenge you to rest your hope in God. I challenge you today to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And lastly, I say to you to revolutionize the way you think, to really put your mind upon the things of God. Shall we pray together? Holy God, we are so grateful that we can come into your presence today just as we are with all of our worries and concerns, with all of the fears and the unknown, the uncertainty, and Lord, with our discouragement, and we truly fall before you today, 
We know there are many in our church family going through difficult circumstances, so many challenges and issues. And Lord, we just come before you today on their behalf. We pray for your spirit to have right away in our hearts and lives. We ask for encouragement for every soul. We pray for peace that passes all understanding to fall afresh on hearts today. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would shine in our lives that we might be your people for your, your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.